0: Well, it's great to hear all this chatter, hear you guys just uh, getting to know one another. My name is Mark Walker. I'm the senior pastor of Mount Perrin North, our Marietta and Canton campus. You met uh, Jeremy, our uh, campus pastor here, and we're so glad that you took time today to be with us. There's a lot of places you could be, and you've chosen to be here with us at our Canton campus, and we're glad you're here. If you happen to have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn to Ephesians. Ephesians is in the New Testament. It is right after the book of Galatians, right before the book of Philippians, per- specifically turn to the second chapter of Ephesians. If you don't happen to have a Bible, the, the scriptures will be on the screen here in a moment. But we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 10 together. Uh, Jeremy already mentioned to you that we're in a new series called 2020. We're basically looking at life from God's perspective, God's vision on life and what that really is. And this morning we want to talk about potential. Jeremy opened up the series last week talking about perspective. God showing us our perspective of life with Christ and without Christ. And now this morning, seeing what, who we can be in Christ, we want to see what the potential God has for each and every one of us. Let's pray and we'll get into our, our time together. Father, I thank you for your presence. You are here in a very real way. We sense it all in our hearts and our spirits. And Father, I, I pray for those specifically in this room who have walked in here today very burdened walked in here today may be wondering, is there anything for me? Uh, I pray for them specifically. I pray for those who may be just sort of really trying to understand who you are and what Christianity is all about, just seeking here today. I pray that they have a greater reality of you. Father, I pray for those in this room that have been walking with you for a long, long time. I pray that when we walk out of here today, all of us, wherever we are in the spectrum of things of life, are moving closer and deeper to the wonderful, wonderful person and love that you are. I ask you now in Jesus name to enable me to share what you want shared here this morning, all for your praise and glory. Amen. And amen. I heard the story of a little boy who wanted to have a part in the school play. I mean, he he had his heart dead set on getting a role in the school play and he went to school this particular morning and it was going to be the day of auditions and his mom was very worried that he wasn't going to get a part because she didn't think he was very good in drama. And, and she thought, man, if he doesn't get a part, he's going to have his heart broken. So she worried all day, went to pick him up, was in the pickup line. Think, they there thinking, what, what's he going to be like when he comes out of, that, out of that building? And about that time, he comes bursting out of the school building, running down the sidewalk, huge smile on his face, and just as excited as he could be. And she thought, man, that's a great sign. He jumped in the car, just all giddy. And she said, well, son, did you get a part? He said, mommy, they chose me to clap and cheer with the audience. (laughs) The drama teacher had enough sense to see that he had potential, even if it was just clapping and cheering with the audience. It's like the story I heard of the other little boy who actually did get a part in the school play, came home and told his dad. He said, dad, I got a part in the school play." His dad said, that's great. What part did you get? He said, I play the role of the husband. And the dad said, well, that's awesome. Maybe next year you'll get a speaking part. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the sermon whatsoever. It just, I wanted to see who was awake and out there with me. I wanted to make all the ladies mad at me and get the guys on my side. <laughs> Potential, we all have it. Potential is the capability to achieve. Potential is discovering and developing the gifts and talents to accomplish. Potential is having dreams and desires for something greater and grander and more glorious than just us. Potential is having what it takes to live life at the highest productive and purposeful level. I learned about the power of potential in my life at perhaps one of the lowest moments of my life. A a time when I didn't think I had any potential. I was young in ministry and I was a young pastor of a church and... Some things happened within that church and people were mad at each other and people were mad at me and an incident took place and people were threatening to sue us and I was trying to lead us through it and everything I did turned out wrong and made everything worse. And it got to a place where I was contemplating resigning from the church and leaving the ministry. I was at that low of a moment in my young life, just totally just abandoning this career and going another direction when my mom called now, I'm, a, I'm an adult at this time, but, man, there's, there's no better time than when your mama calls. I'm a mama's boy, and I'm proud of it. I'm just going to let you know right now. My mom calls, and I answered the phone, and she, she knew a little bit about what was going on. And she said, Mark, how you doing? Well, I'm, you know, I'm just masking everything. Oh, it's okay. You know, it's going to be all right. We're going to turn things around. And she said, well, you know, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to call you today. I really felt impressed that he was saying to me, you were feeling pretty low. He said, she said, but I I, I guess you're okay. Well, she pulled the God card on me. So now I had to come clean, right? So I dumped my bucket, man. I just let her know where I was. And this is what she said to me after I dumped my bucket. She said, Mark, you got two things going for you, son. She said, number one, you know, the resurrected Lord. And she said, it may feel like Friday right now, meaning his death. She said, but Sunday is coming, meaning his resurrection. And she said, the second thing you've got going for you, son, is you come from good stock. (laughs) Meaning that as a howl and a walker, you know where to turn in times like these. And you know how to handle these types of situations. You know what she was doing? She was reestablishing my identity and reminding me of my potential. And I believe there's some of us in this room that need to hear that from God today individually and corporately as a church. That God wants to say to us today that we're his church and he's placed his potential in us individually and corporately to be and do what he's designed us to be and do. And if God is anything, he's a good works God. And if God has any kind of a people, they are a good works people. In fact, I think we can say that the church is a good works movement. God is a good works God that has a people that are a good works people. And that's the reality that Paul brings us into to show us the potential that lies within every one of us in verses 8 through 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. He's basically saying to us, we have the very potential to do the works of God in this earth. And those verses will be on the screen, verses 8 through 10, that tell us this. Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's four words out of those three scriptures I want to focus on this morning. Grace, workmanship, and the two words together to do. Grace, workmanship, and to do. To look at our God-given potential in light of this idea of the good works of God. And the first one is grace. And God's grace, we could say, is his good work toward us. It's his good work toward us that that God's grace sees our potential. Sees our potential. You see, the God-given potential that he placed within us has become marred and scarred and distorted and corrupt and all entangled with the fallout of the wickedness that has been done to us and the wickedness that we have done. And we deserved to be pushed aside by God and him make a brand new model. But that's not what God did. He didn't give us what we deserved. He gave us what we didn't deserve. And that was his grace. And he himself came in the person of Jesus Christ and came to where we are because he saw the God-given potential still there underneath all that broken stuff in our lives. And he said, look, you can't earn my forgiveness. You can't earn my love. You can't earn my grace. You can't do it. He says, all you have to do is receive me. Here I am. You don't have to clean yourself up. I'll clean you up. You don't have to undo what you've done. I'll undo it. That's the great grace of God. And that's his good work toward us when we didn't earn or deserve it or never could. I guess we could say that grace settles the worthy and worthless issue. It settles the worthy and worthless issue. You know, we live in a a society that doesn't understand this idea of grace. This is a concept that really goes beyond us. We have some grace elements and grace moments, but this isn't really something that's really true to human nature. Because in our society and most of our relationships, we have to earn love. We have to earn respect. We have to earn acceptance. We pretty much have to earn our way. And people have to do that with us. They have to earn our respect. They have to earn our acceptance and our love. You know, God is so different. So it's a difficult thing for us. And oftentimes... uh, we can find ourselves saying, you know what? I'm not that bad of a person. There's a whole lot of other people that do worse things than me. I mean, I, I'm not a murderer. I'm not a, I'm not a rapist. I don't abduct children. I'm not an abuser. I'm not a terrorist. I mean, look at all the horrible things that are happening. And man, I'm not a part of that. I'm, I'm worthy. God all accept me on, on my merits. But you know what grace says? Grace says no matter how worthy we may be, We're not worthy enough, no matter how good we may be. We're not good enough. Why? Because the the standard of the measure of of our goodness isn't other people and it isn't us. It's Jesus Christ. And when you look at the life of Jesus Christ and compare ourselves to him, he never failed. He was perfect, man. We fall way short of him. Grace says, hey, it's. No matter how worthy you may feel, you're not worthy enough. It's sort of like the story I heard of the, the priest and the, and the Boy Scout and, and the man that thought he was the smartest man in the world. They were all flying in a little single-engine plane, had one pilot. And the smartest man in the world just kept telling the priest and the Boy Scout how smart he was. About that time, the pilot came out of the cockpit and he said, Look, we've lost our engine. This plane's going down. He says, The bad news is there's only three parachutes and there's four of us. He said, i got to take one of the parachutes because I'm, I've got a brand new baby and I can't leave my wife to raise that baby on, my, on her own. He grabbed a parachute, out he went. The smartest man in the world looked at the priest and the Boy Scout and said, i got to live because the world needs me. I'm the smartest man in the world. The world can't live without me. He grabbed a pack and out he went. There sat the priest and the Boy Scout. The priest looked at the Boy Scout and said, Sonny, look, I'm right with God. I'm ready to meet my maker. You go ahead and take the next parachute and I'll, I'll, I'll go down with the plane. I'm ready to meet God. Boy, Scott said, Father, look, don't worry about it. We have two parachutes. He said, what do you mean? He, the, the pilot said there were only, only three parachutes and four of us. He said, yeah, I know that, but the smartest man in the world just jumped out of the plane with my knapsack. <laughs> no matter how good, we're not good enough. No matter how worthy, we're not worthy enough. That's what grace says. But grace also says, we may not be worthy enough, but we're not worthless. there's the great thing. We're not worthy enough, but we're not worthless. God hasn't thrown us aside because there's some of us that say, you know, God can never love me. God shouldn't love me. God ought not to love me. I've got too much baggage. I've got too much pain. I've done too many things wrong. I've got too much stuff in my life. I'm worthless. No, 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 no. Grace says we may not be worthy enough, but grace also says we are not worthless. I may not be good enough, but I'm not bad enough for the grace and the forgiveness of God. And the reason I can stand up here and tell you that Mark Walker has worth and Mark Walker has value and Mark Walker has importance because my God and my maker has told me and shown me that I have worth and value. God's grace is his good works towards us. He sees our potential. But as we receive him and then what he's offered to us in Jesus Christ, now he wants to do good work in us. And that brings us to the idea of workmanship. God's workmanship is his good work in us. His grace is his good work toward us. His workmanship is his good work in us. And God work, God's workmanship develops our potential. Grace sees our potential. God's workmanship develops our potential. It's interesting, the word workmanship means artwork. Pretty really what it means. It's where God's artwork, where his poetry, where his song, where his sculpture, where literally it's the idea of being his masterpiece, his opus, and the idea of a masterpiece, we call something a masterpiece because it's, it's a piece of artwork that, that reflects the master the greatest. Reflects the master painter, reflects who he, he or she is the greatest. And we call it a masterpiece because it has the highest value placed on it by the master. See, you and I, all creation, all human creation, we, we are his masterpiece because of all the things he's created, he has chosen us to reflect him in this world more than anything else, he's created, and he's placed the highest value upon us. And it's him doing his work in us. And it may look something like this right here. This painting is actually painted by a lady by the name of Julie Smith, who's who's a part of our church at at, at the Mount Perry, North Marietta, and and this is for sale, by the way. So uh, you can come talk to me about it, and I'll negotiate a price with you. But uh, she let us borrow this. Isn't this gorgeous? Isn't this beautiful? We got got Jesus here painting into our lives. She got inspired by this, sitting in our church, hearing the choir sing, talking about we're God's workmanship, talking about how we're his masterpieces. And God wants to paint his good work in us through Jesus Christ. See, God is doing a good work in us as followers of Christ that are in this room. And it's the Lord painting that into each one of us, his colors. His way, his his personhood into us, doing this good work. And this is something that doesn't end. This is ongoing. Man, he is painting himself into us as his masterpiece. Man, Paul gets a hold of this idea in Philippians 1.6. In Philippians 1.6, he says this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The phrase day of Christ Jesus means the return of Christ. In fact, I want you to read that scripture out loud with me if you would, please. Let's read it together. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, I don't know what you've done. I don't know what's happened to you in the past. I don't know what your circumstances are right now. But can I tell you, if you're a follower of Christ in this room, he is doing a good work in you. If I look at your neighbor and say, he's doing a good work in you. Look at him again and say, but he's doing a better work in me. See, his grace is his good works toward us. His workmanship is His good work in us. His grace sees our potential. His workmanship develops our potential. And that's what He's doing in every one of us by His Spirit as we allow Him to do so. In essence, when we choose to follow Him, you know what we're saying? We're saying, hey, I'm going to become your canvas. We were just talking about surrendering all. We're just talking about making ourselves an offering. When we choose to follow Him, that's what we're saying. I'm your canvas. Paint into me. Good works of who you are. Your character and your nature. Paint that into me. That's what we're saying when we choose to follow him. But then Paul says. We're God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. To do good works. The very works of God. And when we're talking about to do good works. We're talking about the good works of God through us. Grace is God's work toward us. Workmanship, God work in us. The good works of God is God's works through us. And doing God's work, in essence, releases his good work, releases our potential. Doing the good works of God releases that God-given potential he's placed within us. Because here's what we have to understand, folks. Here's what we got to get. We aren't just his artwork, we're his artists. He doesn't just make us Pieces of art that sit still on on an easel. He makes us his artists. He is painting into us to paint through us. This isn't just him painting in us. This is him painting through us. The church, we're the ones whom God wants to bring his beautiful colors of his masterpiece into this world to heal a hurting, broken world. Through his people. That's the great potential that's in within every one of us. Even those that aren't following Jesus Christ. That potential is there and they want to know. They want, he wants them to know his grace. He wants them to know what he wants to do inside of them. For you and I who have chosen to follow him. Man, the great potential that we have. Is that we can literally be the God colors of his masterpiece into this world. We're his artists. Not just his artwork. Now, here's the deal. Recently, the past several years, Christianity and the church has been taking some pretty, pretty good hits and criticisms. That we've done more harm in society than good over the years. And they point to the crusades and they point to, to the witch hunts. And I have to openly admit, yeah, uh, the, the church hasn't always had it right through the years. There are some black eyes to the church in history. There's no doubt about that. During those times, there were some rogue leaders who who claimed to know Christ and come in the name of Christ, and Christ wasn't anywhere near them. And by their own agenda and by their own power-hungry means, they were able to mobilize a group of people that would accept their cause and go in the name of Christianity, and it wasn't in the name of Christianity. It did harm and it hurt. But I believe I can tell you unequivocally, with history on my side, that those moments of church history are the exception and they are not the rule. That the good works of the church and Christianity throughout history has literally given us the freedoms and the liberties and the civilizations that we are able to enjoy here today. And just for a brief moment, just so we understand, I just want to track through some history of the good works of Christianity. It will not be a long walk. But I think we got to understand this just for one, to see the great potential that has already taken place and the potential that's within every one of us in this room. We can just talk about the human value when we talk about Christianity being a good works movement. Human value, just the idea based on the fact that we're God's workmanship, we're his handiwork, that he deems us that valuable. That itself has, has, is permeated throughout the culture in the Greco-Roman world. When Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, the Roman world tremendously devalued human beings. They practiced often abortion. They practiced infanticide, of uh, killing young babies. They, they practiced the abandonment of children. They practiced uh, gladiator uh, uh, games where they would kill people for entertainment. And most of the gladiators were usually those that were in prison, those that were prisoners of war, those that were criminals, those that were the poor, and those that were slaves. And all this devaluing of humanity, and as the Christian world began to permeate that culture, they began to take a stand against such things. And it was the Christians who would take care of the abandoned children. It was the Christians who would bring them into their homes and care for them. And as a result, orphanages began. The whole idea of orphanage began through the good works of the church. As the church stood against gladiator games, and when they came into power in the Constantine, they shut down the Gladiator Games because of the brutality and the devaluing, devaluing of human beings. Just the whole idea of human value is a result of the Christian ideal. But also the idea of health care. Not necessarily the health care we're trying to do in our, our country per se. But the idea of of, of of hospitals and institutions for the for the blind and the and the deaf and the and the mute and for the mentally ill. It was Christians that started the first hospitals. It was Christians that started the Red Cross. The Red Cross has gone around this world still today, and the good that it does around the world, it was the Christians that did that. It was Christians when everybody else was abandoning towns and cities because of the plague and other other illnesses that they thought were highly contagious and leaving the sick behind to die. It was the church. It was Christians who stayed back to care for the ill and to care for the sick. And many of them died themselves because they wanted to serve. We can go on and on. It was the Christians that abolished slavery. It was the Christians that stood up against the whole idea of slavery. William Wilberforce in England during the colonial times. He led the crusade. He was a Christian minister against slavery. Child uh, labor laws are the result of the Christian ideal. Democracy, folks, democracy is the result of the Christian ideal. We can go on and on. Yes, the church is not perfect. Yes, Christians and followers of Christ are far from being perfect. And we've had some bad moments in history, but those are the, 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 the exception and not the rule. It has been the good works movement of the church that has created the decency that we find in this world. And it's not because Christians are good, better people than anybody else. And it's not because our good works are so special. No, it is because we have a great God who loves this world and wants the world to know his blessings. And so he has unleashed through his people the beauty of his masterpiece into this earth that people might know a good God that loves them. To God be the glory for all the good that's being done in this earth. The whole point of that is to say that right here in this room. The potential to still unleash the powerful, beautiful colors. God into this world is here. Because folks, the unborn are still being killed in our culture. Men, women and children are still being exploited in our culture. Little girls are being kidnapped. And bought into Sex trafficking. We still have children being abandoned in this world. The masterpiece of God. Is still to be painted through his people. That's the potential. That rests within followers of Christ. Very quickly. And I I look to do this quickly. Just three. Basic. Basic. Good works pathways that I would encourage you to consider. Maybe you're already involved with these. Maybe not. Maybe maybe you're involved with them, but perhaps you could even step further. I don't know. But these aren't these aren't the end. These are means. These are just some three basic ways I believe God has for us to begin to untap that potential, the good works potential. The first giving pathway. I would, uh, the first uh, uh, good works pathway I would share with you is giving, giving financially. You know, God asks us. To give 10% of the income that he blesses us with. 10% of the finances he blesses us with. He asks us to give into his work of the church. Why? Does God need our money? No. No, God's not sitting up there going, you know what? If I don't get 100 grand in here this week, I'm not going to meet budget. No. He doesn't need our money. So why would he ask us to give? Two reasons. Number one, he knows in our fallen nature, we can let money possess us and us not possess money. Money can become our dependency. Money can become the thing that rules us and us not rule it. And God knows by our nature that can happen. So one of the ways he helps prevent that in our lives is he says, I want you to be a giver. I want you to learn how to trust me and depend upon me. So I'm asking you what I bless you with to give so that money isn't ruling you. It's a sign that we trust God. It's a sign that he's the one we're dependent upon. Because money is so much an extension of who we are. And then he takes that money and he uses that money in the ministry of the work of his kingdom to continue to paint the good works colors into this world. It's not a matter of the money. If, you know, if, if 10% is something, you look at your finances, there's absolutely no way. God, it's not a matter of the percentage as much as it is. God just wants to untap that giving potential within us. And he would just say, wherever you are and whatever you can do, just start. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, I know what's happening now. I know. We've been out here about 12 weeks now and we're not giving good and we're not taking care of our our budget and so the pastor's got to really sort of stoke us. Absolutely not. You're giving wonderful. In fact, you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, folks, I want you to understand this. For a startup campus like this, that's unheard of. It's unheard of. Startup campuses don't take care of themselves Really much later on in their life. And usually the mother church has to pick up the slack. We are picking up at Marietta very little of the slack here. This isn't about we need your money because we ain't making it. No, it is about helping every one of us unleash the God potential within us. It's all this is about. So that the masterpiece, the artistry of God can come through us. You know, my wife and I have been married 28 years. When we first got married, had no children. Both of us worked in the corporate world. We were pulling down some big bucks for a young couple with no kids. Man, it was awesome. We could go do anything we wanted to do. Children came along and that quit quickly. (laughs) Do I have an amen from anybody in the room? Yeah, I mean, we, we were doing great. And two things happened. I went into the ministry, which cut my income in half. She got pregnant. And we really felt like she was supposed to be a stay-at-home mom. So after our son Justin was born, uh, she quit work. and My income was cut in half. Hello. And I don't like beans and franks. I just got to tell you. But there was one thing she and I dedicated to God. We said, we're not going to quit giving. We're, we're, we're going to give as faithfully, regularly as we can to God. And man, there were times when we didn't know how we were going to pay the bills after putting that check into the offering plate. We didn't know how some of this stuff was going to get met. But I can tell you, my wife will testify with me, after 28 years of marriage, we have seen God time and time and time again when we were faithful to give and say, we're going to trust in you. He meet all of our needs. It isn't about giving to get. Well, give God praise if you want to give God praise. And I'm not saying this is about giving to get. It's about the potential. And one of the good works pathways I would offer to you is giving a second one. I would offer would be serving the church. Serving the church. Finding that strategic place within the body where God can use the gifts and talents he's placed within you to to sew the colors of his masterpiece in us, into the lives of other people. This is a marvelous place to do this. I'm really finding that place. Look, all of us, all of us have the role, we begin having the role of clapping and cheering with the audience. That's where we all begin. And that's wonderful and that's awesome. And we got to have this corporate expression together. But then God says, okay, I got something else for you. You're doing great clapping and cheering with the audience. And you're doing great by, by beginning to give and, and, and doing that faithfully. But guess what? I got some more potential I want to release with you. I want to use your gifts and talents to not just clap and cheer with the body, but to use your gift and talents to keep giving people a reason to clap and cheer. To invest in them, to, to pour my colors I'm pouring you into their lives. Oh, but pastor, that takes time and that takes sacrifice and and that takes. Energy and don't you get tired? Yes. Absolutely. But I got a question to ask all of us. Isn't that the same when we go to work? Don't we feel that way when we're cleaning the house and doing the laundry and mowing the lawn and getting groceries and running our kids every activity possible on the planet? Doesn't it feel that way? Am I talking to anybody in the room? Why do we do that? Because it's good works. I'm not saying the daily routines of life are less good works than the work of the church. Absolutely not. What I am saying, though, is that the work of the church is equally as important as those good works. And yes, good works begins with the family. Absolutely. Good works of God. The masterpiece of God that he's writing into our families. And writing into parents and writing into kids. Yes, that is to flow into our families. That is the place it begins. But I really believe God also wants to say, okay. You as family, you're doing great. But now I want you. I have a great thing for you as a family. I want you to step outside of just you and family. And now let me work in you and through you to touch the lives of other families. How many of you right now, you're here right now, and you have at least one other family member with you raise your hand? Put it up and hide. Because I'm blind as a bat by these lights. I can't see hardly anybody. That's why i got to ask you if you're still out there. You could have left by now. I don't know. That's about everybody in the room, as best I can tell. How many things do we have in a given week where a family can gather together for maybe a couple of hours together? Man, the church is a great place for the family together to come and let the masterpiece of God that he's doing work in and through you. Let me just share this with you. This, this, is, this was submitted to us by one of the families that are, are part of this, this Canton campus. They serve on some of our serving teams. They, they, would, they were regular church attenders. and They clapped and cheered with the audience, and, and they were faithful givers. But then we opened up this campus. And they really felt like God was saying, okay, I'm, I want you to step outside now. I want you to step beyond this. I got more potential for you. And I want you to become a part of this serving team. And this is what the husband, the father of this family recently wrote. He said, submitted this to Jeremy who, who, who gave me the privilege to share this story. He says, the Lord really changed me as a husband and a father to step up, lead my family and serve in the church. He called us to not only give up our resources, but to give up our time, energy and service. Since he has placed this on my heart, I've not regretted the time spent serving this church family. Even though we've been giving more of ourselves through serving, we have felt more filled and more engaged than just sitting in the chairs each and every Sunday for so many years. We have found that this time has not always been easy, but most certainly has been rewarding. When you follow God with no expectations and obey him completely, then I believe you're able to see God's big picture. Potential. Giving is a pathway. Serving the church. And the last one I would share with you would be caring for the needy. The poor, the, the down and out, the disenfranchised, the underprivileged. However you want to you talk about them. Right here in affluent Cherokee County. There's a lot of needy poor folks. Down in Marietta, at our Marietta campus. Within a five-mile radius for years, we had government housing projects, poor people, needy folks. Those projects have all been shut down, and many of those folks have moved to other places. But we still have pockets of poverty within there that that, that God's opened doors up to us to go in and try to help. And we've been doing that for years. We're going to have the same type of opportunity here. See, you know, it's interesting. The Lord says interesting things about the poor. One of the things he said, the poor you're going to always have with you. That's what he said. Now, he wasn't saying that, I mean, so don't worry about them. They're always going to be there. They're like gnats. You just can't get rid of them. That wasn't what he was saying. (laughs) I don't mean that derogatory. (laughs) I mean, I was saying that's not what he was saying. He was saying, they're always going to be there. And guess what? I want you as my people to do everything you can to help them. Because this is another thing he said about the poor. He said, you know what? If you feed them. And you clothe them. And you give them a shelter. And you even visit the ones in prison. He said, you know what you're doing? You're doing it to me. That's what he said. That's how he identifies. That's how much he so identifies with the broken and the down and out. He's literally saying, look, as I paint into you. And then you're willing to paint into those who are less fortunate. Guess what? You're actually painting in to me. Gosh, What? Potential. In a couple of weeks, I think Jeremy has already talked about it. I'm going to invite the band to come up at this time if they would. In a couple of weeks, I think you're going to have an opportunity to hear more about what we're going to do here at the Canton campus. In partnering with Must Ministries. Must Ministries is a long-term ministry that's done a lot with the homeless and the poor. But we're going to be helping through the summer with the free lunch program here in Cherokee County. And the kids that are taking a part of that supplying food. You're gonna hear about more more about that in a couple of weeks, but a great opportunity to really begin to say, okay, okay, this might be a way to really tap this caring potential that God has within me. For years at the Marietta campus and in 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 we go out once a month at the Marietta campus in teams of people to go out to help in, in needs in the community. We help the elderly and the single parents that can't take care of their homes and do basic build uh, home repair and, and and yard work. And I don't know if that gets announced here or not, but but if it does and we if it doesn't, we need to. If it does, you're you're more than welcome to come be a part of the once a month in the Marietta when you hear the announcement and go out with some of these teams. We received a letter from someone who was the recipient of one of these teams and she wrote this to us and this is what she said. Please forgive me for taking too long to express my gratitude to you. You came and fixed a hole in my roof and you, made my, uh, you repaired my deck steps. What a blessing you were to me. The greater blessing though is in knowing that there is a group of people with the desire to express God's heart through their hands. Listen to that. God's heart through their hands. I'm so grateful for you who are so precious, uh, you that are to the precious elderly and single moms who find circumstances at times beyond their own ability. He, she says, thank you for making love a verb. Thank you for showing us that we are not alone. Thank you for reaching into places of isolation where there aren't options and resources to meet responsibilities. Thank you for helping people that need help in the name of the Lord. You know what that is? It's God's grace being extended to us, in us, and through us. We can't paint the colors of God into this world without God. He supplies us the ability. We just got to simply say, here I am. And I want to I want to pray with you to close this out I, mean, I, I want I want you to hang with me just a moment and you've been you've been great and I'm trying to I'm trying to land this plane so to speak I know we have a lot of young couples or young families I might better say that's a part of this campus and and, and that's wonderful and I know young families are very very busy with a lot of young kids and one too long ago my wife and I were a young couple with a young family We're made, we're primary empty nesters now but I know I remember how busy it can be and I'm not trying to uh, degrade the busyness or say that that's wrong I'm not but here's what I would encourage you if you're a young family in here and you've got so many things happening with your kids and all I would ask and and, and just encourage you to do take a look at your busyness and when's the last time you looked at your busy routine and said you know what in the midst of all of this are the good works of God, that potential in us, is that a forethought in the midst of our scheduling is that an afterthought that once all the busyness is done, then Maybe we can sort of do this. All I'm asking you is take a look. Let God give you some creativity and some wisdom, okay? He's got this potential in us. And man, he's calling us to let him really bring forth that giving and that serving and that caring. And we've got this busy schedule. Okay, Lord, help us. How do we blend this? How does how does this work? I'm just asking you to find some canvas, but then all the stuff you got to let him begin to work through that. To see, okay, how can I really, as family, begin to do this? And the last thing I would want to pray with you about. As I was really putting this together, and, and I, I felt the Lord giving me what I've shared with you today. I really felt like he said, you know, there are going to be people when you're talking to them. That are going to want to be all over this. Man, they, they're going to want that, serve, that, that, that serving, caring, giving potential to come out of them. They, they, they see themselves. Is under the grace of God. And they see themselves as women. They, they really want that. But man, they've got so many issues going on in their lives. They've got health issues. They've got family issues. They've got money issues. They've got job issues. They've got wounded issues. That There's just so much stuff stacked on top of them. They just don't see how they can even begin to move towards this. And I want to pray for those of us in this room. that Man, we just got such need in our life. We got such stuff. It's just sort of hindering us really being able to let the potential that God has within us to really move forward. And I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes if you would, please. And we're going to do this one single step. You're in here right now. You say, you know, Pastor Mark, I hear what you were saying. And I and I, I, I am. I, 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 I see the potential God has in me. But man, I got such issues, such things, so stacked up. I... I just don't know how I can really begin to let it just unfold. But pastor, I want your prayer here today for God, not only to begin to meet these needs, but also for him to really begin to show me ways within the midst of this and to unleash this potential. But pastor, I need prayer for the needs in my life. Just raise your hand quickly and quietly in this room, all over this place. Several of you, God bless your heart. Thank you. Thank you. I see several of you as best I can, but many, and I just simply want to pray a prayer for everybody in this room. And in this, band's going to sing and we'll, Jeremy will close it out. Father God I ask in the name of Jesus for every hand raised in this room and maybe those that didn't raise their hand for whatever reason God whatever they have, whatever the issues are whatever the stuff is in their life family issues, health issues money issues, whatever it is that they feel like perhaps disqualifies them from really being used of you, whatever they feel like Makes them feel worthless and, un, and, and unusable. God, I pray in the name of Jesus by your great grace, your good work toward us, that right now there's healing coming to them and there's deliverance coming to them and there's, there's freedom and liberty coming to them, God, and there's a sense of comfort in your presence and power, God. Supernaturally, do what needs to be done, Father heal wounds, God. Restore relationships. But even more than that, God, as as you're so doing in our lives, help us to see in the midst of need, we still can be used of you. Father, I pray for those in this room that think they just don't have the potential to give. Father, I pray that you help them to see. And if they'll just begin to step forward and do what they can do, See what you'll do. Father, for those that think, you know, I'm just too busy to serve or I've done that, God, I pray that you help us find some new canvas that you want to work in and through us. And Father, help us to be ever aware of how we are your hands, your heart through our hands. God, I pray that wherever we go is your church, your good works are done in and through us for your praise, your glory, and your honor. In Jesus' name.